Hello, welcome to Horror Court Trash Show, the show that discusses all of the masterpieces and trash the pieces of genre cinema. I'm Gary. And I'm Chris. And we're diving back into the... Uh, actually, do you know what? Before we start, I just want to dedicate this uh, episode to someone. I'd like to dedicate this episode uh, to a certain Adam Norfolk for bringing this fucking film into our lives. <laughs> Jesus Christ. It was a lovely gift I got from Christmas uh, as we tried to out-trash each other. And congratulations to Adam for out-trashing me. Uh, I was kind and gave Vampire Killer Barbies and I got Double Dragon from 1994. Yes, this is our journey back into video game movies. Yes, yes, thank you, Adam. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, We've spoke about House of the Dead, we spoke about Street Fighter, and here we are talking about... Double Dragon from 1994. Yeah, there's a, a long and varied history of shit video game adaptations yeah. into films. It's well known. It's... There's, there's still going to be plenty to come as yeah. well. Um, can you think of a good one? I can. Sonic the Hedgehog. Oh, the then, first film. Yeah, the first, the first one. one. Uh, I don't remember the first Tomb Raider being too bad. Right, I haven't seen that. Cradle of Life, not so much. Um, Silent Hill, the first Silent Hill wasn't awful. Okay, but we're not talking top tier. Oh, absolutely not. Yeah, five star entertainment. Yeah. Yeah, those those films are passable. Um, Yeah, no one, I don't think anyone has made a, a 10 out of 10 video game movie yet uh, and I don't know why I don't think no I don't know why it's so difficult um no it's a simple formula I, I suppose there's the idea that they have to feel they're being true to the video game mm. uh, whilst also making stories and such accessible for an hour and a half. Because obviously video games by design, particularly now, are hours of entertainment. Yeah. They're, they're very lengthy. Um, not all of them, you know. There's some back in the day, I don't think Double Dragon was a particularly lengthy no. game. But it's staying true to a narrative, but also trying to make it into a film for a particular audience. Yeah. Um... Going back to good ones, Detective Pikachu. Okay. Uh, would you class Pokemon as a video game adaptation? Uh, because if so, then Pokemon the first movie might be the best one that's been released. I would suppose so. In terms of Pokemon, I don't know what came first. The, sorry, the trading card is a game. Yeah. But we're talking video games. If we're talking games games, then Clue would be Oh, well, the best of course, one. yeah. But video games, yeah. Video I mean, games. Um, if you type in best video game movies into Google, it does come up. But also, Wreck-It Ralph, which is an interesting one, because it's not really based on a video game, but it is based on multiple video games. Yeah, to a certain degree. It's very much... Um, making it their own, yeah. though. It, it, it didn't... For Wreck-It Ralph, they didn't feel they had to stick to a particular... No. You know, box. And besides, Wreck-It Ralph is passable as well. The sequel, however, is fantastic. And yeah, both. Oh. Well, oh. No, it was good. the first Wreck-It Ralph was good. Yeah, it was good. Yeah. But the second one was fantastic. Yeah, I thought they were both fantastic. 
Did you? Yeah, I swear I did. Oh, I didn't. Okay. <laughs> anyway, they were good. they're better than this film, that's for certain. Yeah, that is definite. This film, directed by James Yukic, um, who you may know from directing A Fair to Remember, as in A and Fair, F-A-R-E. <laughs> oh, so not the... Uh... A Cary Grant, no. Deborah Kerr film. Um, Fallout Boy, The Boys of Zuma Tour, live in Chicago. Oh, lovely. Mariah Carey's Merriest Christmas. Oh, fabulous. The Cheetah Girls in Concert, The Party's Just Begun Tour. Nice. High School Musical to Concert, Extreme Access Pass. Don't know what that means. Um, that's the High School Musical live tour that got a home video release um and zach efron was too good to be there so they had to get someone else to play troy oh no (laughs) this is post hairspray then uh yeah i mean his his career pretty much blew up straight away after that didn't it yeah um but yeah (laughs) I, i do remember seeing it as as uh you know the gay 13 year old that i was um i do remember seeing it and it was just massively awkward the whole thing uh and those are amongst his 235 projects which mostly include music videos and a lot of debbie gibson nice <laughs> nice that's what this film could have done with. yeah she should have been in this. debbie gibson um Catali's music video director and purely because yes. of his placement of needle drops in this film yeah uh probably the best thing about the film yeah and it, it has it has that 90s music video aesthetic doesn't it yeah budget 7.8 million and it only made 2.3 million dollars at the box office Justified. uh getting into the trivia a video game featuring motion captured sprites like mortal kombat was concepted to coincide with the movie having the actors of the film and their stunt doubles provide the captured images However, it was deemed it could not be completed in the same amount of time as the movie, so it was scrapped. After it was released, the film studio admitted it was a stroke of luck the game didn't go ahead. The film would later have a Japan-only tie-in fighting game of the same name developed by Technos Japan under the license of SNK Playmore, ported to the Neo Geo MVS and the Neo Geo CD in 1995, as well as PlayStation in 1996. Yeah, um, I don't feel... It, it didn't work out very well for Street Fighter, did it? Do you remember Street Fighter, the movie, yeah. the game, where they had the um, actual actors in it. And I think Kylie Minogue was actually in it. I mean, if that's true, I want to play it. Yeah, um... but by all accounts, it is. It, I think it is. it does top worst wow. Street Fighter games. Yeah, um, I mean... Video game tie-ins with films in general, just again, like video game films, aren't always the best. Now, there's, I'd say, there's probably better video game adaptations of films than there are um, films of games. Uh, you know, Goldeneye, Spider-Man Two, you know, the Lion the, King, the Lion King, Aladdin, <laughs> um, Star Wars what Episode One, The Phantom Menace. The truth of the matter. You know, it, there's there's plenty of great. Uh, games based on films. Um, but yeah, this one wouldn't have worked. And it, it kind of explains why there's those really weird VR scenes in this. That was blatantly just put in there in case they got away with doing the VR game they wanted to do originally. Yes. Yeah. The boat chase was filmed on the Cuyahoga River in Northeast Ohio. 
it climaxes with an explosion which used 700 gallons of gasoline combined with 200 gallons of alcohol. Absolutely unnecessary, by the way. But you know we love a random explosion on this podcast. Mm. Despite warnings the night before on several news channels, the explosion caused Cleveland residents to panic, leading to 210 phone calls to emergency services for over 10 minutes. Oh, no. Just being good citizens. Uh, the original game was released by Technos Japan, and it was a 1987 hit arcade beat-em-up. Yes. In case no one's familiar um, with it. Because I wasn't before this film. No, I d- it's not one of the most famous ones, I don't think. Um, it was a little before my time, if I'm being honest. If we're talking beat-em-ups, for me, it's Streets of Rage. Yeah. Which, by the way, would make a fucking fantastic oh, yeah, film absolutely. if done right. Yeah. So I hope someone out there will... Because there is a... a film called Streets of Rage but it's got nothing to do with no, the video game sadly. but a video game of Streets of Rage I think would work really well if done correctly yeah I think so um, I think Actually, a, a video game of Double Dragon a, a movie of Double Dragon if done correctly would have worked yeah you know yeah um, I think my earliest beat up would have been Mortal Kombat no beat em ups are different huh? oh yeah no yeah you're thinking fighting. Fighting, game. yeah. Beat em yeah. ups is like um, side scrolling. Like the Simpsons arcade. Simpsons arcade. That's probably my earliest yeah. one then. Um, the characters from the game. Uh, oh, yeah, by the way, don't judge me my video game knowledge. I'm running a film podcast. The characters from the game that appear in this film are two male characters and two female characters Billy Lee, player one, Jimmy Lee, player two, Marion, supporting NPC, and Linda, the third enemy. The in-game characters did not make uh, appearances in the film that did not make appearances in the film are Linda's Black Warriors evil organisation, whom she was originally affiliated with. The rest of her gang members' uh, accomplices were Williams, first enemy, Roper, second enemy, Chin Tai Mai... Okay, you don't care who these characters are. Zach Abobo, Jick Abobo, Jeff and My Bobo, and Machine Gun Willie... Right. That's an interesting That's name. That's an interesting name. The rest of the cast are only characters from the film's writers. The small-time gang leader of the Mohawks, Boa Bobo, is also a non-canon, non-related character directly used for the film, who is a combination of both canon Zack and Jick from the arcade version of Double Dragon. The Bobo brothers played villainous roles in the games, whilst Boa Bobo uh, is depicted as more of an anti-hero. Now, this is mistake number one. And something that I'm sure Mortal Kombat should have learned from before their latest film. If you're going to make a video game adaptation, don't fucking include characters just for the film. Yeah. Come on. Like, we'll just use the characters from the game. Yeah. Yeah. If you've got that many characters to work with, you've got a big cast here. And that, that I mean, that's your selling point. And it, it was more um, apparent in the newest Mortal Kombat. Mm-hmm. Is that your target audience are people who have watched the video, uh, watched the video, have played <laughs> the video games, and they want to see the characters on the big screen. Yeah. They don't want to see some randomer, fucking some random Nigel guy. Yeah. Who has been completely written for the screen, badly written. Yeah. 
Looks like a fucking ball bag. Yeah. But, um, yeah, he does actually. <laughs> um, has been written for the screen and has nothing to do with their favourite game. Like, who's, you know, you're alienating part of your audience yeah. there. Yeah, absolutely. And, and that was one of the worst things about the new Mortal Kombat. Like, literally, that lead character couldn't give a shit. Like, who is this? I don't care. Like, he, I, I and there was nothing care. to him either. And in Mortal Kombat, with Street Fighter as well, all the characters had backstories yeah. as well. Like, they were written into the game. Yeah, yeah. So th- there is some license to explore more than the games. Yeah. Because a lot of games, you know, they're not about narrative. You know, no. we're not talking Legend of Zelda here. You know, Double Dragon is literally, you know, girlfriend's been kidnapped, save her, walking the streets, punching people, stabbing mm. them, and get to your end goal. You know, so there is license to expand on that. Yeah. But... You know, that doesn't have to... Because you have bosses at the end of each level, use what you got. Yeah. You know, the the games were popular for a reason. People enjoyed those aspects of the game. Yeah. Use them. Definitely. Uh, Alyssa Milano and Scott Wolf, the actors who play uh, Billy Lee and Marion, uh, they started dating whilst on the set of this film... Oh. Uh, and got engaged. Oh. But it didn't last and they broke up. Oh, that's a shame. Much like the appeal to this film. Yeah. <laughs> uh, on the first day of shooting, Mark uh, Dacascos, whilst warming up, sprained his ankle, but told no one and wrapped it up himself in his trailer. Hun, it ain't worth it. It's <laughs> just double dragon. Bless him, he probably did think this was his big break, so I, I understand. Uh, it's Jimmy Lee, the elder brother, and yeah. he always looked pissed off anyway, so that kind of explains it. He's just in pain. Um, first time director uh, Jim Yukic summarises his approach to the film by saying, Our characters are like normal kids. No. Three kids on an adventure. No. So we didn't want to make something that kids would almost be too afraid to see. No. I'd like to make it in a funnier, light-hearted vein. Um, no. that's true. <laughs> <laughs> the funnier part, no. <laughs> it's stupid. That's, yeah, yeah, no, it's it just dumb. It's, stu- it's stupid. It, it's a stupid film. And finally, one of the biggest reasons why Double Dragon fans criticise the film is because Scott Wolf is uh, a miscast as Billy Lee for not being Asian-American, not being in character throughout the entire movie, and not having any martial arts skills whatsoever, and is usually in need of a double or editor to do his stunts. Mm-hmm. Mark uh, Dacascos, however, puts Wolf to shame for being close to his role as Jimmy Lee. Wolf only got the role because he had, pre- uh, he had recently signed on as the lead in the Fox television series Party of Five. Yeah, it's very apparent. Because, I mean, the nature of the original game is that you can play it as a one-player or a two-player. So I think just a little bit of um, uh, laziness on the part of the creators is that, well, we'll just have them look exactly the same. Uh So they're twin brothers and just have them wear different colours. Yeah. Um, They look absolutely nothing of the sort. Not related at all in the film. They do not look alike at all. No. And, and, and like they say, you know, that Scott um, playing Billy. 
Yeah. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. Billy, not Asian American. No. So that part, I, I'm not. I, it's whitewashing, and also Robert Patrick's character is even more fucking iffy than. Uh, he does than give old Jimmy himself Lee. a very Asian nickname, and 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 announces that it is a Japanese name. Yeah. As well. We'll get into that though. Let's get into the film. Two brothers have half of a powerful ancient Chinese talisman. Uh, an evil gang leader has the other half and determines to get the brother's half and have a complete medallion so he can gain absolute power. We start... Absolute power. Is it ever more of a 90s phrase than absolute <laughs> power? Uh, we start with a narration from Koga Shuko, played by Robert Patrick. Uh, <laughs> where he says, Thousands of years ago in ancient China... An evil army of shadow warriors. Are you yawning already? <laughs> Sorry. He's the one. Why is he the one narrating it? He's the bad guy. You want to hear him narrating it? Why isn't. Uh, that is literally my mood for an entire film. Thousands of years ago in ancient China, an evil army of shadow warriors terrorized the great city of Shangsa to save his people. The good king sacrificed himself to create a mystic medallion. Realising the ultimate powers of the medallion, the king split it in half. To one son, he gave the power over body. To the other, power over the soul. This is the legend of the double dragon. And we get a title card. Wait. That's not true. <laughs> How is that true? It, it's not, no. What sons? Oh. So, I mean, there is sons. So in ancient China. No, ancient China. Oh. So they've been passed... So this backstory isn't depicted at all in the no. film. It's just this is the narration and it was split between two brothers. Yeah. I mean, that's the story I would be more interested in <laughs> than this one. Um, so completely pointless, that. <laughs> well, the, the, the story in the film is... It, it is pointless. It, yeah. was, it was your dad. Your dad had yeah. it. Nothing to do with brothers. No. What? I mean, the lead characters are brothers. Yeah, they are. And I understand that's a reference. And he's not... hoping that people are going to be dumb enough to forget They're not from ancient narration. China, are they? Well, no. <laughs> I mean, if they are, then that just raises it's... even more questions. Yeah. Um, by the way, the brothers in this film, they are supposed to be 17 years old, both of them. Absolutely not. One is 26 and the other is 30. Yes. Yeah. They look every day of those ages. I, I'm sorry to these men, but you look your age, huh? They Both do look years. their age, which is why the characters come across as very immature. Yeah. Because they're meant to be 17. I mean, their behaviour is still kind of immature for 17. Yeah. But they are meant to be younger than they look. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, I don't remember at any point them saying they're 17. They did. Did they? Yeah. Oh, well... Anyway, but they don't look 17. It no. looks like a 26-year-old man and a 30-year-old <laughs> man dicking around, yeah. being stupid and immature. It's like, oh, you know, and what is, who is this for? What is this for? Apparently to the director well, of a younger we'll, audience. We'll feral out there. <laughs> okay, don't make it even worse. Um, a gigantic earthquake destroys Southern California 
greatly altering its landscape and leaving Los Angeles renamed, you guessed it, New Angeles. In shambles uh, after the federal government failed to help restore order or rebuild. Blonde queen Linda Lash, the best character in the film, in a ninja outfit, finds some diamonds and informs someone of it. Ooh, where does she find the diamonds? Where does she find them? Somewhere in China. (laughs) Just somewhere. Somewhere Somewhere in China. The moment I saw on the screen, somewhere in China... I knew what we were getting. This is whitewashed Asian culture. Yeah. For a mass American market. Yeah. This is what it is. You know, and it's... I mean, all the leads are essentially white. Yeah. um, Apart from Billy and Satori. Um, it's taken aspects of a different culture and kind of, well, bastardizing them for an American yeah. audience. Of course. And making them really boring. Yeah. Shit. Uh, and I knew that the moment I saw they could not even be asked to identify anywhere in China where this treasure would be. Mm-hmm. Not even, not even a quick... You know, not even lazy enough to put Beijing. Yeah. You know? Everyone knows the capital of China is Beijing. Mm-hmm. I understand this is this is out in the wilderness, so it wouldn't really work. But not just somewhere in China, I thought, no. Yeah. I know what we're in for here. Well, we're taking seven years later into 2007. <laughs> Another classic we? case. Well, was that set in the year 2000? Yes, it was. Oh, I see. Another classic case of what the people of the 90s thought uh, the future would look like. Yeah. They must be very disappointed. <laughs> yeah, well, yes. Well, I, I don't think we're far removed. Uh, from well, not now, yeah. If you put another 20 years on it, then the, maybe. But, a little late. But uh, I don't think we're that far away. <laughs> New Angeles is uh, partially flooded, wrecked by constant aftershocks and plagued by smog and acid rain. Kogashuko, played by Robert Patrick, may I remind you, a crime lord and businessman, explains to his underlings about a powerful magic medallion called the Double Dragon, which has been split into two pieces. <laughs> Thank you. How many times are we going to hear this fucking story? Um, Robert Patrick. Yeah. Dressed like a classier vanilla ice. Yes. He's got his facial hair on the go. Oh my god. And his hair looks like a pint of Guinness. That hair is a fucking crime. It is a crime. It's literally it's three quarters black. What was he thinking? And then white on top, and and literally like, like a pint of Guinness. It's another way of saying it. Yeah. Um, with the way he's dressed and everything, he he really, it kind of put me in the mind that they were trying to. Make him look like he was a Yakuza mob boss. I think type so. Character. Again, it's bastardizing Asian culture for a you know a mass Western market. Yeah. Um, I thought Linda picked up half of the medallion. You said diamonds. Was I a little confused? Yeah. So I originally diamonds was said. Hmm. But I think that's just a messy script. Oh. So I wrote down diamonds at the time. Yeah. And then later on it's revealed that it's medallions. Yeah. She's yeah. serving a look. 
She yes. wasn't serving a look somewhere in China, though, was she? Uh, no. I thought she looked like someone had to throw together a shredder costume <laughs> from Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. It was giving that energy. Um, and quickly had to throw one together because the party was starting in two hours. No. Um, yeah, so she's brought the medallion to Robert Patrick, whose name I've written down wrong for the, all of my notes, so I will continue to call him Robert Patrick. <laughs> she, I feel like I'm going to accidentally, or may have already accidentally called him Robert Pattinson. Robert Pattinson. The names are just too close together. Potentially. Completely different person, but... He puts on the medallion. Yeah. He turns black and white and wobbly. <laughs> okay. So he's serving uh, Nightmare on Elm Street 5. He absolutely turns into a paper version of himself. <laughs> yeah. What are these effects? What are they trying to go for? Uh, yeah. It, uh, I was, he turned... Well, a shadow person? <laughs> um, we then... So he's like, oh, well, I need the other half now. Yeah, he orders his henchman to get the other half Yeah. So then we cut to a young lady... Uh, Satori. Um, she's wearing the other half of the medallion whilst watching a martial arts competition. She is. Um, we see some mildly, and I use that term loosely, mildly interesting <laughs> fighting. Um, it takes place as brothers Jimmy and Billy bicker over who will their opponent. I've written that terribly. My that grammar is awful. <laughs> so essentially, this martial arts competition is taking place. It's Jimmy and Billy against two other martial artists. Everyone's very white, um, and Jimmy and Billy start bickering as the twenty-six and thirty-year-olds they are over who will deliver the killer blow. Essentially. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and because they're bickering so much, Billy, being the more immature of the two, jumps on his opponent's back and gives him a nuggie. And the pair get disqualified. So a nuggie, and I did have to uh, <laughs> Google it. Uh, for those who don't know, a nuggie is when you get the your knuckle and you rub it against someone's scalp. Yes. Very quickly. Um to give it, a, I don't know, Chinese burn effect? Uh, I believe so. Do you remember Chinese burns? They were horrible. Um, yeah. Do kids still give Chinese burns I hope now? not. I, hope I mean, not. the meaning of it is on the internet, let alone physically as well. I was, I was going to say, yeah. Um, every fight scene in this film, the cast Shit. just look bored. Did, yeah. They look so bored. You know, it's clearly stunt people... Um, when we're not focusing on their board faces. Uh, the dialogue is some of the worst I've ever heard um, and just gets worse throughout. Starting with the guy that uh, they were fighting says, better luck next time, losers. And Billy says, eat some piss, buttheads. <laughs> then everyone joins in on a big fight. Eat some piss, yeah. Yeah, all hell breaks loose and the crowd gets involved. Eat. Yeah, I'd like say that in a kid's film. Apparently. Um, we then cut to an advert for house jacks. <laughs> so these are like car jacks that you use to lift cars up, to change tyres and etc. But they're for your house, to keep your house up. Um, yeah, 
very post-apocalyptic, isn't it? Yeah, it ends with, if you don't buy from us, you don't know Jack City. Lovely. We then get the news forecast, hosted by Vanna White and George Hamilton. Uh, and they mention a curfew that's in place. Don't they? Yeah. So we know there's a curfew in place. It's very, it's very much post-apocalyptic. <laughs> post-apocalyptic. Um, America. We've seen it in films millions of times yeah. up to this point. Um, Van White, I'm not sure. What's she famous for? So these are cameos, essentially. Yeah, we get the weather report with Andy, Andy Dick. Andy Dick. So I'm, I'm just trying to remember what was Vanna White famous for? These are very, very American, aren't they? With cameos. Yeah. Um, I have no idea because um, it's not working. Um, Vanna White's career? No, no. <laughs> the uh, internet. Let me uh, be very unprofessional. Help me out here. I don't want silence. Van, um, Vanna White is an American television personality known as the hostess of Wheel of Fortune since oh, 1982. Okay, okay. So she's like Jenny Powell. Yes. So she's the one that spins the letters. Yeah. Oh, okay. And then George Hamilton. Uh, George Hamilton is an American film and television actor. His notable films include... Home from the Hill, By Love Possessed, uh, Zorro the Gay Blade. <laughs> Interesting. Um, yeah, absolutely no idea. I don't know any of his... Have you been in any film we watched? I didn't sound like it. What about Andy Dick? Uh, Andy Dick is a famous comedian. I do know that he's a f- he is a famous uh, comedian. Um, I'm just looking at George Hamilton now. So he's most famous for Zorro the Gay Blade. We've seen him in Licorice Pizza. Oh, Sextet. He was in Sextet. Well, we'll be discussing him soon then on the podcast. Yes, we will be. Um, and I saw him in Roots. Um, so I think he's just one of those random actors. Was he 21 in Sextet? Uh, no, he, he, I don't, no, I don't believe he was 21. He was probably one of... Uh, so it wasn't his birthday. May West's old husbands. <laughs> <laughs> and then Andy Dick. Should have probably done this before we recorded. <laughs> Andy Dick was in Reality Bites, Road Trip. Oh. Uh, and Inspector Gadget. Good Big star. Big, Big star. Big star. Big star. <laughs> <laughs> On their way home, uh, the Lee brothers and their uh, stylish-looking, very young, adaptive mother, um, who looks younger than they are, uh, are accosted by gang members who rule the streets after dark due to an uneasy pact made by the police department seven years earlier to keep them from running amok during the day. A girl stands in front of their car... And to great hilarity, Billy says, oh, no, Jimmy Lee says she looks like my type. The girl takes off her wig and reveals it's a man to great hilarity when Billy says, you're right, she is your type. <laughs> oh. <laughs> uh, the other guys, the, the villains, they're like, oh, I know those guys, the Lee brothers. Ugg and home. Ugly and homely. Get it? Yeah. <laughs> 
Is homely that much of an insult? No, not really. <laughs> homely. <laughs> um, a, a chase ensues. Uh, the bad guys in the van, they are driving the, uh, the truck, so they're driving the truck uh, with a joystick whilst watching a shitty graphics video game screen. Um, and we get, dude, you must suck at video games. Yeah. It's it's a weird thing that these post-apocalyptic films do, where despite it being post-apocalyptic and everything being in the shitter and everything's awful and there's trash everywhere, there's shit here and shit there and it, it's terrible, these gang members um, who seemingly roam the streets and don't have jobs and all that business... Um, their vehicles look very 90s, very 90s vehicles. Not much has changed in the 20 years. Yeah, the brothers, their hairstyles are very 90s. Yeah, everything's very 90s. 90s. Uh, But they have these very random high-tech parts, like the the Mohawks, which is the gang, um, they have like a bumper cam. So when they can't see, they use the bumper camera, which is the... um, Video game looking. Yeah. What's that video game? Oh, you wouldn't know. You're not, you're not good with video games. <laughs> uh, I where, might. Where did you learn how to fly? <laughs> um, if anyone knows it. Oh, what is it? Oh, it's funny. It's 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 a, it's a flight simulator. Oh, I can't remember. But it was infamous because um, there's a, a bold woman that's always talking to you throughout the whole thing. <laughs> and every time you crash, she says... Where did you learn how to fly? <laughs> I can get out of that laughing. I'll have to show you the clip. Uh, but it looks like that. Yeah. And it's as shit as that. But I just don't understand why the these people are meant to be roaming the streets. They're, you know, they ain't got jobs. They're not fancy in any way. No. Yet they have the most high-tech vehicles going. Um. Anyway... It ends with a crash. Somehow. I, I'm still not sure how they crash. I was crashed. a little confused. I think because the Mohawks are driving a big truck, and it's it's a, a, a Bobo, isn't it? That's yeah. It's driving. Um, so the, the Lee brothers manage to get between a wall and a vehicle, fine, into a dead end. Um, and then a, a Bobo gets his truck stuck. And that's, that's it. Is that all? Uh, yeah, um, when the Lee brothers, when they stop their car, when they crash or whatever they're doing, um, Billy says, oh, my whole life flashed before my eyes. Dude, I sleep a lot. Great, great. Right. Bobo, the lead gang member, wants to start a fight with the Lee brothers while Satori stands in the background looking bored out of her fucking brain. She's had enough. <laughs> Something to nap against the car so in the background. Why, why am I here? Why am I in this film? I don't need to be here. Like the, the villains are there, like you're gonna fucking kill your kids, and she's like, just fucking do it. Just put me out of my misery. I've had enough. Um, the fight's about to ensue, isn't it? Yeah, when we hear, "Hey, broomhead, we're gonna sweep the floor with your scum." Yeah. Um, and out seemingly from nowhere, are. 
I, I don't the know power how corpse. to describe the power corpse. A group of vigilantes headed by a uh, friend of the Lees, Marion Delario. Yeah, so this is where Marion differs in the film compared to the video game. So the video game, if we're going back to the arcade, so there was a few of them. So there was one, two, three, before this film came out. So there was... Uh, some story to go on, but the, the sort of quintessential narrative is that Marion is kidnapped, yeah, and the Lee brothers have to save Marion. Mm-hmm. So Marion's either in a relationship with one of them or or not. Um, in I think the original arcade game, if you got to the end of the game, uh, as two players, you fought each other for the love of Marion. At the end of the game. I mean, I'd rather have seen that here. Yeah, that would have been good. That would have been interesting. Um, The Power Corp are all dressed like salt and pepper backup dancers. (laughs) Um, Yeah, Marion is daughter of the police chief and Rose McGowan lookalike. So maybe she has been to the future. She looks like Rose McGowan now. Yeah, she's got cropped, really um, cropped... Bleach blonde hair. It's a good look. You know, it Alyssa is. Milano, beautiful, yeah. beautiful. I don't think she puts in a terrible performance. There's not much to do. Um, but, you know, a beautiful lady with... And she pulls it off really well, the cropped bleach blonde. Um, my problem, another problem, again, with this kind of film, is that a lot of these gangs are meant to be street gangs, living on the street. You know, it's referenced in the film as well, you know, that they have no parents, Mm -hmm. they've got no home, so they're all together. It's post-apocalyptic, you know, they're not fancy in any way. All their outfits are cleaned (laughs) and pressed. You know, a lot of them, and this is for the 90s, but a lot of them look like they're fresh off the runway. Yeah. Tailored. They all fit really well. Again, all really clean. Stylish from the 90s. You know, and I'm like, um, this isn't really in keeping with the theme. No. <laughs> like, uh, aren't you meant to be, like, homeless? Why mm-hmm. do you, you know, why are you wearing what was probably a 500-pound car? Yeah, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Um. It it does annoy me stuff like that because it it's. I don't know. You can suspend a bit of realism, but these are meant to be t uh, uh, tough street kids. Yeah. And they look like backup dancers. They do. They do. I just you know if this was a musical, then it would work. If they all started do you know if this was, breaking. To Electric Boogaloo, then, you know, it makes sense. Yeah. But no, yeah, they all look very glamorous. Um, at the abandoned theatre home, Satori delivers all the exposition needed about the medallion, because we haven't heard it enough already. Uh, and she says, I hid the other and kept one piece with me, where no one will ever find it. To which Billy says, Jimmy's underwear. Yeah. Um, why is Tori only now telling the story? I know. It's such a coincidence that this is when Satori decides, you know, this big chunky gold <laughs> thing I've been wearing for years and years. 
I'm going to tell you a little story about it. I hope no one comes to try and take it from us. <laughs> like, are you serious? So Tori gives Billy the other half to look after, which seems like a really odd decision to me. Like, out of the two of them, why the fuck would you trust that idiot? Yeah. And also, why would Satori not show how to use yeah. the medallion? Like, but also, how come Robert Patrick knew how to use it straight away? And it's a big part of the plot of the film, is that Jimmy and Billy don't know how to use it. Uh-huh. And why is Satori not using it either? Exactly. So, there are times when Satori's in danger... And she probably could have used the power of the medallion to help her, Jimmy, and Billy. Yeah. And she doesn't. No. <laughs> Spoiler alert, she dies. She... And uh, <laughs> clearly it's down to her own stupidity. It is. After that revelation. Uh, Bo Bobo discovers Satori holds Same. the second medallion half and reports it to Shuko. For his failure in securing it, a Bobo is mutated into a hulking giant. We more on that shortly. Um, yes. We get to another news report where we are told once again Madonna is in the news. She had a press conference in Old York today, and she said her marriage to Tom Arnold is finished. She's moving to Paris. The ex-pop superstar said simply, "She just wants to be left alone." Uh, and another news anchor says, "Tragic, isn't it?" Um, yeah, there's lots of jokes about the new names for places. So you've got Old York. Um, they're in New Angeles, aren't they? Yeah. Um, there's also references to La Canada, mm-hmm. Lake Pasadena, because obviously California's underwater now, and New Tokyo City. Yeah. Right. Yeah, anything to say about Madonna? Anything to say about Madonna? Um, Madonna Madonna and Tom Arnold. Um, Stupid joke. Really stupid. Um, Doesn't translate very well to an English audience. Because I'm not sure. Was Roseanne big here? Like, Tom Arnold's famous for being married to Roseanne. Yeah. I mean, that's the joke. Um, And obviously Madonna, very glamorous. Um... Yeah. No, not really much. I mean, yeah. Uh, Marion puts a wig on. 2007 Madonna was right after uh, Confessions on a Dance Floor. (laughs) She was never more glamorous and never more of a pop icon. Very rude. She just wants to be left alone. She just wants to be left alone. Marion puts a wig on in the bathroom whilst her brother asks for money. Uh, Her dad... Starts slagging off the power corpse whilst eating his uh, Shuko Krispies, which uh, clearly ha- just has some felt-tip pen covering Kellogg's. It's so weird. And they forgot to take Rice Krispies off the top lid. Yeah, and they've put, like, black tape over the faces of Snap, Crackle and Pop. <laughs> um, I don't understand what the, what the joke's meant to Just don't be. have the box there. Just have them in the fucking box. don't have the box. But also, like, Shuko. So, like, Robert Patrick's character. Mm. Yeah, okay. There's a bit later on where Shuko says, all I wanted was control of one city. Uh-huh. Um, and I, I might as well mention it now. Number one, 
you want control of one city. Why is it New Angeles, which has constant <laughs> earthquakes, is flooded, absolute shithole. Like, there's nothing going on. Yeah, he lives in a fancy office building, but by all accounts, everything else is a, like, desolate wasteland. It's true. It's, you know, there's gangs everywhere. There's nothing, like, what what can you gav- gain from this? Like, he's gone to all this effort... He's gone to somewhere in China, or he sent people to somewhere in China to get these medallions. For what? New Angeles? It's a shithole. And he already, you know, and seemingly he already is a big businessman and owns the cereal. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, he's bought Kellogg's. I don't, I don't understand. It makes it, 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 I mean, it just makes the plot ridiculous. It does. Pointless. Yeah. Um, speaking of pointless, uh, Marion's dad gets his cop gear on and leaves for work. As Marion tells him, she never wants to be a cop. Yeah, I mean, this fucking goes nowhere. The, the whole idea is that um, Marion's dad, as a police officer, is against the power corp. Because the power corp are vigilantes and they take the law into their own hands. Um, yeah, and when he finds out that she's part of the power corps, he isn't even surprised. Like, there's no shock there. No, it, it's like it's common knowledge. I forgot the scene even existed. Yeah, so she's hiding. That's why she puts on the wig. Yeah, uh, which is very clearly a wig. And when he yeah. sees her without the wig, he's not even like, "Yeah, bitch, slay," you know. He doesn't <laughs> care. <laughs> it's true. I mean, that's the natural reaction to it. Well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Shuko, with his henchman in tow, pays the Lisa visit, uh, intent on taking the other half of the medallion. And he tells them, I've taken a new name, that of the great Japanese warlord. I am Kugashuka. Okay, Robert Patrick, no. Just no. Just, just, just no. No. Not sure you should be taking that name, hun. Um, yeah, what I really don't understand is I think it's this scene where Satori's like, oh, I, I, I never thought you'd find both sides of the medallion. I sent one to the other side of the world to somewhere in China um, and kept one here and I never thought you'd find me. Like, bitch, you live in the same city. Like, I made sure that the two medallions were separate, <laughs> as far away as possible. Why have you kept one? Like, why have you... If you didn't... This, this is so frustrating. Because she's obviously sent one to China. It's been hidden. Yeah? Yeah. So, she's kept one herself. Don't know why she's kept it herself. But she's kept it herself. Yeah? Mm-hmm. Even though it was passed down by... Uh, the Lee brothers' father. Yeah. And she is guardian of the Lee brothers. Um, and Robert Patrick knows all this. So why is she so surprised when he turns up at the door looking for the medallion? She's worn it everywhere she's gone. It's true. <laughs> like, she's worn it and not used it. Like, it's like right there for the whole world to see. She's like, oh, I can't believe you found me can't believe you found me for this half of the medallion i'm like well why didn't you send the other half to friggin 
you know, Scunthorpe. <laughs> you know, like why? Why have you done this? Because clearly, if she sent half the medallion to China, she never intended for either of the Libra brothers no. to wear the medallion. It's like, true. She didn't intend no. for any of this to happen. So why didn't she? Why did she not? You know, put it under Stonehenge or something, silly cow. Yeah, uh, he's re- got the plane, plane fare to go all the way to China. He reveals the ability of his medallion, uh, the power of the soul, which gives the user the power of possession and a shadow form. Uh, and then he temporarily possesses Satori. Shuko tries to take the half of the medallion that Billy has, but Satori has a very effortless and boring looking fight with oh him. Oh my god. Ah, like, oh, yeah, take that. Robert Patrick. Awful. <laughs> really, really bad. The the sort of fighting sequences in this film are terrible. They they really are. They're atrocious. Yeah. Uh, we recently watched Crouching Tiger, Hidden mm-hmm. Dragon. Um, so I, I don't know if it's, you know, a little biased because we'd watched arguably one of the best martial arts films of all time before watching this. But in comparison, oh my god! Yeah, they probably shouldn't even be mentioned in the same episode. <laughs> I could do a better job. Uh, Billy knocks a henchman out by throwing basketballs at him, uh, followed by tripping him up with bubble gum from a bubble gum machine, and kicking him into a push chair. And Jimmy has a broom fight with another henchman. Yes. A bobo shows up, and in a bizarre series of events, his head now looks like a gigantic ball bag. Oh my god! So he's got like bulging neck, <laughs> one each side, and they, it looks like testicles. Yeah. Big round, veiny testicles. Yeah. The Lee brothers scream and run away. Satori arrives, uh, possessed by Shuko, and pushes uh, a punching bag into ball Bagabobo, and knocks him out. Followed by trying to steal the medallion from Billy. Uh, Shuko has the place doused in gasoline, and Linda arrives and lights the place on fire. Yeah, so I'm a little confused by this. I don't understand why um, Shuko Shuko would help them. I suppose it's in a way to trick the Lee brothers. It's a lot of effort to trick someone. It's a lot of effort. So Satori ends up locked in a cage with the fire now started. Confusingly, Jimmy, Billy and Satori have a slight emotional moment where Satori makes them promise they won't let... Um, Robert Patrick. Robert Patrick have the medallion. I've got Cougar down. Why have I written his name as Cougar? <laughs> um, so they won't let Robert Patrick have the medallion. They promise they won't leave her behind. And so she just easily breaks free from the cage and they escape. <laughs> So they have this emotional moment, like, I can't get out. You know, save yourselves, leave. Just make sure Robert Patrick does not get this medallion. And they're like, we won't leave without you. And she's like, okay. Kicks the door a couple of times and it flies open. <laughs> um, so they escape. Satori then decides to go back in. <laughs> she locks herself in to fight with Robert Patrick and sacrifice herself to allow Jimmy and Billy to escape. Yeah. Whilst also hoping to defeat Robert Patrick 
Uh-huh. Keeping him in the fire with herself. Yeah. Yeah. What actually happens is that she goes back in. She's very quickly knocked out. Robert Patrick takes his shadow form, leaves. Mm-hmm. Whilst the Lee brothers are still banging on the door for a very long time. Excuse me. Banging on the door. Banging on the door. That's the term. I don't know, I've just got a dirty mind. They're still um, knocking on the door for a very prolonged period of time before the explosion occurs. And they don't get caught in the explosion, but they do, that, no. they do that thing, don't they? They, they narrowly get away. Narrowly escape the explosion. So what she did satori completely pointless yeah completely yeah Hold on. she's wasted my time <laughs> she's wasted her own time she's you know she's made a complete fool of herself she has she i thought she i thought she was going to be a queen and she was nothing of the sort i hope she at least got a good pay for it i hope so um, yeah. Unable to find the brothers on his own, Shuko unites and takes over the gangs by displaying his power and sends them after the Lees. Uh, he does this by interrupting Michael Berryman, giving a speech. Uh, Michael Berryman in a very small cameo. Very small cameo. Uh, playing a very Michael Berryman type character. Yeah. He, he turns into a shadow and strangles Michael Berryman to death. Yeah. Yeah, good old Michael Berryman. It's nice to see Take him. Take any role you can get. He, 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 yeah. Yeah, he was ab- definitely typecast, wasn't he? Yeah. Him. Billy and Jimmy... Is he still with us? Yes, he, is, he is, yeah. yeah. Billy and Jimmy have a badly acted argument about Satori and what to do next. Jimmy tells Billy to get over it, despite Satori literally just dying. Literally, it just happened. But then they both get over it and then start joking. Yeah. Like... It's so badly directed. Like, I mean, what the fuck was the director saying to me at this point? Oh, okay. Act upset briefly, very briefly. Uh, and then you can just go back to being uh, 17 again. It's just seventeen. very weird way to get them to bicker. Yeah. Like, there's always this idea of conflict between the two of them. Like, a, a bickering. Yeah. Uh, a sort of competitive streak between the two of them. But... This one feels really forced because it basically involves Jimmy being completely heartless. Uh-huh. Like... like you really need to get over it. Like, she literally just died. Yeah. Like, Dorit was literally <laughs> held at gunpoint. <laughs> and Sutton's there like, hey, well, we've all got fires <laughs> to put out. I've been putting out fires all day. My French designer couldn't get a uh, visa. Well, sorry I wasn't held at gunpoint. Sorry I wasn't held at gunpoint. It's the same energy. Billy and uh, Jimmy, yeah, they have the fight. Um, they get away from... Oh, wait, no, that wasn't... Even... I thought I was doing the same part again. Billy and Jimmy start fighting a bunch of gang members. Uh, they post in a bizarre series of events. A postman uh, says, Hey, creeps, special delivery. Airbags! And jumps down from a water tank. A false face first, doesn't die. Uh, And Billy says, I've never seen a postman move that fast. Who's to... Again, it's (laughs) post-apocalyptic. Who's sending post? Like, his bag was full of post. It was. They get away from the gang members after a lengthy speedboat chase uh, where they go past the Hollywood sign and a Hollywood River tour boat. 
this is the, the the weird thing and just going back slightly the the weird thing about a lot of 90s films is that i i get the idea that people didn't realize the internet would be as big no. as it ended up being it's quite sad really so they have these films in it so the internet kind of existed back then very sort of um what's the word i'm looking for um not very developed what's the opposite underdeveloped not underdeveloped (laughs) uh very basic basic. internet yeah yeah Yeah. i i there's a there's a better word (laughs) there i haven't quite grasped it um but a very basic internet back then and i don't think they thought it would take off or develop as fast as it did it's quite sad really when you look at these films where they try and depict the future Literally, all these decades really thought they were going absolutely nowhere. Yeah. <laughs> they thought we were going to make no progress whatsoever. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, so it, a lot of these sort of pro- progressed technologies have nothing to do with the internet. No. So we, we look at it and we're like, wow, is that really what they thought 2007 <laughs> was going to be like? You know, like in 2007, we were you know, not 100% there, but we were, you know, we were mobile phones scrolling on the internet. Yeah. You know, we were Wi-Fi and, you know, much more developed in certain aspects than these films, you know, depict. Yeah. And then there's just completely random stuff that they thought would really take up, like bumper cams. I'm like, yeah, definitely. Bumper cams in the next 20 years, they're going to skyrocket. They're going to be great. <laughs> Uh, yeah. They they eventually crash through a sign for New Angeles and uh, it explodes because that's what happens in films. Yeah. Um, it, it does make me laugh and it, it often makes me think of 21 Jump Street where there's this, an entire sequence where uh, there's a car chase and uh, like they throw things at cars and stuff and they're like, oh, we'll wait for the explosion and like nothing happens. Um it always brings me back to that because it is so funny how we cover so many films where cars crash into random things and every fucking time there's a massive explosion. explosion. Like they've just got to fall down a cliff or someone's just got to fucking touch one of them and that's it, explode. It's so funny. And I, I do, it doesn't get old. It doesn't get old. It is very funny. No. Um, you know, this film isn't without its so bad, it's good moments, but they're... There's not a lot of them. There's there's only like a handful. I feel like part of me probably believes cars explode more than they really do. <laughs> and I blame films. Yeah. Um yeah, I'm I'm constantly scared that walking past a car it's gonna explode at any point. Mm-hmm. Um so the idea is that we and this is how badly filmed it is, is that there, there is no way Jimmy and Billy did not die in that explosion. <laughs> like, it literally, they hit it and the explosion yeah. occurs. They didn't so, get time to get out. No. So, the gang members think they're dead. Yeah. That There's some sort of t- technology or whatever that says, oh, you know, Target has been killed or whatever. But they're not. They're unfortunately. Under, they're un- unfortunately, they're not. They're hiding under the water. But we don't see them jump before the explosion occurs. No. Um, which is just really bad um, editing and bad filming. They then appear from the water 
And I can't remember which one it is, either Jimmy or Billy, who gives a... I really don't care. He says, uh, for every bit... This is in in regards to the water. For every bit you get in your mouth, you get diarrhoea for a week and your hair falls out. So the idea is that whatever river or, or lake this is, it's contaminated and it's toxic. And, um, you know, it gives you diarrhoea for a week and your hair falls out. I'd rather have that than watch this fucking film. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Marion somehow has bull bag of bobo, uh, and it's feeding him liquidized spinach, which causes him to fart a lot because that's exactly what this film needed, fart jokes. Uh, and this is happening whilst they're listening to 100% Pure Love by Crystal Waters. Yeah, it is, yeah. <laughs> um, come on, Nigel. Bold of them to think Crystal Waters would... Uh, Still be listened to in 2007. Pure. Um, yeah, it wasn't actually brought back until season 13 of Drag Race, <laughs> was it? Do you it's remember? True. Yeah. Yeah. Um, iconic lip, uh, lip sync. That's the only reason I knew it. Um, but I don't think it was a popular song. Um, is there anything more 90s than a, a We Hate Vegetables fart gag? Mm. Yeah, very nutty professor. Very nutty professor. Um, yeah, I mean, how did she get Borbag to the hideout? They they kind of grabbed him. He was so when he was knocked out by uh, Robert Patrick in disguise. They um, picked him up. Well, I must have had a micro nap. Um, Billy and Jimmy seek refuge in the Power Corps hideout. After referencing Ghostbusters and The Wizard of Oz, Marion agrees to help them, using this as an opportunity to get rid of the gangs once and for all, and the three of them decide to go to Shuko's office building to steal his medallion. Now... They just go straight there. This entire sequence did not need to happen. No. It is funny. I mean, it, it not for the right reasons, of course. It, it is funny because it just looks so... I, I, I don't even know why it's funny. It's kind of like um, when the uh, the big secret agent in Hartika Tawai gets shoved into that van. I, I can't explain why the sequence is so funny to me. Um, I don't know if it's just because they're visibly wasting their time. We all know where the film's going. It's like, what are you doing? This This serves no purpose whatsoever. And it just gets more and more ridiculous, this scene, because the Lee brothers and Marion spy on uh, Marion's dad being bribed by Shuko. Linda spots the Lee brothers and Marion in the ceiling vent, starts stabbing it with a big long stick with a knife on the end, uh, and they fall into Shuko's office. Ah, this, this is why I find it so funny. She gets up, this woman who's clearly 22 years old, and uh, she says... Dad, does this mean I'm grounded? What the fuck? What is wrong with everyone in this film? <laughs> it's it's definitely ticking boxes, isn't it? It's like, oh, you've got to have a part where they're hiding and watching and then they fall and then that's the big reveal. Like, it, I just feel like this part especially, but so much of this film... Yeah. We've seen time and time again, uh-huh. particularly in 90s films, we've seen it done better. Yeah. We've seen it done worse. Uh, but we've seen it done better, and it's just that cheesy, by the books, play by play 90s yeah. action comedy. It's, it's 
I just I was I'm bored by the by this point I've literally so got boring. like three more notes, you know. Sorry to give it away to you, um, because <laughs> I just I got so fed up. I was like, I just I don't care. I've seen this film, so and trust me, if I had watched this film when I was younger, I would have ate this shit up. <laughs> I would have, because it's that stupid cheesy yeah. film that I enjoyed as a kid. I watch it now, and it, it, and I I never watched it when I was younger. This is the first time watching it. It's fucking atrocious. Yes. Yeah. And and I think a, a lot of films from you know the the nineties for me probably haven't aged very well. I, I dread watching um, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles <laughs> films again because I feel like we're gonna get a very similar film. Well, to do you this. know what this reminds me of? And you saying that actually brought this back to me. It kind of, the entire film reminds me of those 30 second, uh, very American commercials you'd get on kids' TV shows in the UK mm. for toys. Yeah. But, oh, grab the new Double Dragon action figure. Wow, look what I can do. Like, literally, this, that is this entire film. Yeah. It's that is what this is. Three Ninjas. Yeah. Remember that one? <laughs> yes. It's given me Robocop 3. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's just so. What's the word? Basic. It is basic. It, is. it really is, and I, you know, short attention span when I was younger. Some mild action, you know. I bright colors, mm. a silly soundtrack, and some stupid jokes. I probably would have ate this up. Yeah. Um, as a kid, um, thank God I didn't. <laughs> Uh, Linda and Marion's dad have a fight whilst Marion and the Lee brothers investigate the morgue and get attacked by a dead basketball player who he turns and was like, oh, remember me? No. Yeah, like, no, of course no, not. No idea who you are. We've like, never met you in the And yeah, Of course, it's Shuko possessing him, but still, it's like, what? No. <laughs> and he's like, uh, <laughs> give me the medallion. And Jimmy Lee says, oh, what? You'll kill Satori again? That doesn't even make any fucking sense. No. She's dead. <laughs> Just keep her name out of your mouth. Just forget <laughs> she ever existed. They ultimately fail and are forced to flee and Jimmy is captured in the process. <gasps> and uh, <laughs> Marion's dad goes to the police. Again, not phased by her being part of the uh, the gang, whatever they're called. Um... And uh, he's like, yeah, I'm, I'm going to go back out there and save my daughter. And another cop is like, you just want to go out there because your kid's out there. Well, yeah. Well, yeah. And he's like, no, I want to go out there because my kid's doing our job. Like, Hang on. No, no, no. You want to go out there because your kid's out there. Yeah, that, that makes sense. You're the yeah. police. There's something going on. And also you were against <laughs> the power court before realising your daughter was part of it. Um, yeah. Shuko tells Jimmy how he killed his and Billy's father because of the medallion. Whilst Billy and Marion return to the Power Corp's base and lament about how none of them have been able to figure out how to use their dragon piece. Um, I mean, honestly, I thought it had already been established by this point that he killed their parents. Because it's such a cliche. Yeah. Um, I, I just assumed that would be... Well, that would be something Satori would have known about. Well, you'd think so. But she couldn't be asked to tell them. She's, be, she's kept all these secrets for this <laughs> long. Marion points out a discovery they made uh, that the wearer of the medallion is immune to the powers of its counterpart, meaning Shuko 
is not able to possess him as long as he has it. <gasps> Suddenly, the gangs attack the hideout. Marion is captured by some gang members. <laughs> um, <laughs> Linda walks in with her whip. It's like, now who's the boss? <laughs> Good old Linda. Uh, Billy saves Marion and she knocks out Linda. Ballbag Bobo um, goes to the bathroom for a wank. I'm, I'm not kidding. He has a oh, sexy picture a saucy photo, yeah. of a girl in a bikini, but instead he decides to act out Castle Freak and starts looking in the mirror and screaming. Yes, he's horrified by what he sees. Like, um, <laughs> what did you think you were looking Like, obviously you can see the rest of your body. Would it not be worse if your head was normal? Like, it didn't match the rest of your body. Like, what were you expecting when you looked in the mirror? Probably not a ball sack, to be fair. I mean, yeah, where would he wank? Would he be wanking his head? Like, has he got a dick behind there? Oh, God. Doesn't bear thinking about. Marion ties up Linda and tells her she usually puts people in the hospital. What does that mean? In the fight, Jimmy reappears. However, he's possessed by Shuko and has a scrap with Billy with uh, Double Dragon arcade games in the background. Yes. Yes. So there is a moment where they get... Um, well, I think it gets smashed, doesn't it? Yeah. Like One of them gets thrown into it. Um, my favourite line of dialogue from the whole film. <laughs> you know what it is, don't you? Get out, my brother. Get out of my brother. <laughs> <laughs> and no, he wasn't saying that to Ball Bag of Boba, funny enough. Um, Billy accidentally activates his medallion's ability, which is the power of the body, uh, and makes him... Power invul- of the body. The body is here. <laughs> he makes him invulnerable to harm. Uh, and then, yeah, he beats Shuko out of Jimmy. He does. He does. Beats the Shuko out of him. <laughs> Knowing Billy's new powers, Shuko threatens to kill Jimmy instead. This doesn't succeed either, so he releases Jimmy to distract Billy long enough to get the medallion. Shuko succeeds in uniting the halves and turning and turns into a pair of shadow warriors with katanas that disintegrate anything they slice through. God, this sounds way more exciting than a film actually. It, is. It, yeah, this is very. <laughs> yeah, this isn't very exciting. Um, like okay, so he's finally got absolute power. <laughs> And this is what he does with it? Yeah. Like, if he has absolute power... You just kill him. Surely he... Yeah, surely... I mean, is, is it like the Infinity Stones? Can he just, you know, click his fingers and make stuff happen? Clearly not. Um, the Lee brothers fight, but could not beat him. Uh... <laughs> And he says, you're weak like your father. And someone says to, to Shuko, you're ugly like your mother. You've never met his mum. Like, come on. Don't, don't bring her into this. Poor Mrs. Patrick. Ballbag Bobo reveals to Marion that Shuko's weakness is light. How the fuck? But how did that happen? How and, does he know that? And that's not true. He's been in pr- plenty, of bro- uh, plenty of bright rooms. Exactly. Without his sunglasses on. And he's been absolutely fine this yeah, entire time. I'm pretty sure he was outside a couple of times. <laughs> like, yeah, I don't know where this came from. That Marion has to switch on the lights. 
Yeah, she does it. She reactivates the hideout generator and the shadow warriors are rendered powerless. Billy and Jimmy attack, forcefully recombining the shadows into Shuko and acquire the double dragon halves. And it's it, the, the super awkward part is that throughout this whole sequence, there's a large crowd of extras <laughs> standing watching them fight yeah. and watching all this take place. And it, it's kind of... They look just as bored as everyone else. Yeah. Well, what's even more stupid is uh, once the pieces are combined, they get given matching ugly uniforms and the medallion <laughs> powers. <laughs> yeah, so one's red and one's blue. So this is clearly a reference to the video games. Yeah. Um, clearly outfits that should be worn by two white men. Uh, yeah, I don't think they're ugly. The, 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 the colours aren't the nicest, no. are they? Um, uh, it looks like cultural appropriation. Just it it is. Suits. Well, it is. It is, isn't it? It's, um, forgive me, I, I don't know the name, um, but it, it's the sleeveless tops, um, like, like Street Fighter, yeah. Ryu and Ken wear in the games. Um... Yeah, they briefly see a vision of Satori's spirit as she gives them encouraging words. You know, looks like she's hard at gunpoint to do it. She's like, you go, girls. <laughs> Get him. The brothers beat up Shuko and Jimmy possesses him to make him slap himself to great hilarity. Oh, God. Then why are you hitting yourself? Why are you hitting yourself? Fucking so cringe. Yeah, really, genuinely so cringe. Poor Robert Patrick. I mean, this is after <laughs> two Terminator years. 2. No, three years after Terminator 2. Come on. Yeah, it's, it's so embarrassing for him. It's just so stupid. During this time, Marion's father arrives to bring Shuko to justice and to take care of the gangs once and for all. Jimmy has Shuko write a cheque to the police department for $129 million before encouraging the police chief to arrest him. Uh, Marion says, do you hear that? Sirens. <laughs> right. Shuko is sent to jail. The police department has renewed strength to fight the gangs instead of compromising with them. And Billy and Jimmy can now keep both halves of the double dragon safe. They also have their dragon wagon back, thanks to Marion. When did they lose it? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I don't recall the dragon wagon ever going missing. I also appreciate that it was called the Dragon Wagon, though. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, because they didn't crash it at the beginning, did they? No. Um, did they leave it behind? Maybe. I suppose they would have. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, and that's why Marion's got it. Anyway, it's fixed up. It looks like shit. Bald Bagger Bobo uh, tells him he's tired of fighting and wants to be friends. Jimmy thinks Billy has possessed him and lets him drive the Dragon Wagon. And uh, they're in the back seat, and now all of a sudden... Within the last minute of this film, they decided to introduce a romance story. Oh, God, yeah. Where Jimmy Lee says, I'm sure glad Billy has left us so we can be alone to Marion. Okay. First of all, there's been no sexual tension. There's been no romantic connection. Nothing between you and Marion this entire time. Didn't Billy have a moment with Marion? Maybe. He, I mean, there's a good chance he spent more time with her than yeah. he has. Yeah, I think Billy had a moment. But it's just... Completely out of nowhere. Yeah, it's just stupid. It's badly written. Yeah. Um, but then Billy pops up in the back seat, revealing that bull bag of Bobo is actually driving the dragon wagon. 
Dun, dun, dun. To great hilarity. And then all together now by the farm starts playing. <laughs> as two thugs stand on the road with signs saying, We'll hench for food and thugs seek ruthless boss. And we get the end credits with all together now by the farm. Um, Such a weird choice. This is a bit of a weird choice. Um, the whole film's a weird choice. <laughs> yeah, that's Double Dragon. That's Double Dragon. Um, really just... It's like a really shit episode of Power Rangers. But without any of the fighting. Yeah. <laughs> like, the good, the good fighting. Uh-huh. Um... Really, just to be honest, like I said, you know, I probably would have ate this up if when I was, you know, six or seven. Um, now watching it for the first time, it, it it's it's bad. It's really it bad. Is, it it's is. not even trash to piece territory. It's just it's boring. Um, the martial arts, which should have been a big selling point, yeah, it really flat. Um, the story is confusing. It is. Um, the acting... But it's only confusing because it contradicts itself so much. Yeah. It could have been really straightforward. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it overdoes it. The acting isn't the best. Yeah. Um, the, the dialogue is atrocious. Uh-huh. And I understand, you know, I sit here as a 33-year-old man. Th- this wasn't for me. You know, it wasn't aimed at me. No. Um, but objectively, it's still not a good film. No. Even, you know, being aimed... There are a lot of good films aimed at kids. Yeah. You know, Disney's built a whole empire based on uh-huh. it, for God's sake. You know, so it's no excuse no. to just be this bad. No. No, it's awful. Absolutely awful. I can't recommend it, I'm afraid, guys. No. Uh, I mean, if you want to put yourself through it just to see Ball Bag of Bobo, then just, just Google Google search it. <laughs> so, uh, I, if you're a fan of Double Dragon, um, we're on social media. Horrible Trash over on Facebook and Instagram. Horrible Trash on Twitter. And Dead at Gaz92 on Letterboxd. Gazmo205 on Instagram. And GazCruise92 on Twitter. I'm Chris Barker 823 on Letterboxd and Instagram. Uh, give us a rate, review and subscribe on iTunes. Like and follow everything else. Rating on Spotify. You know the drill. If you're feeling generous, then do it. Yes, please. Friday. We're back. End of the month. Original vs. Remake time. We'll be discussing both versions of Initiation of Sarah. With a poll result that is a first. I'm going to tell you what it is because <gasps> I want you to listen to the episode. But it's a first. Were you gonna spoil it then? And next week we are back, finishing off May before we kick off Pride Month. Well, some that I claim is a gay icon. You know, many people don't know she exists, but I'm I'm telling you she's a gay icon. We are of course discussing the legendary Renee Harmon in. Lady Street Fighter. Thank you. That's that's, that's how you <laughs> Plan that, honestly. Uh, a film that we can guarantee you is a trash to piece and a film we should absolutely watch before we discuss it, if you yeah, can. Yeah, absolutely. Fully recommend. Watch that before listening to the episode. Um, sh- if, if you're confused as to which one it is, 
She looks like Rita from <laughs> Coronation Street. Mixed with, uh, would you like me to be the cat? From yes, Big Brother. with a bit of Rula Lenska, <laughs> a little bit of Adrian Barbo <laughs> in there. Um, she's Cast an icon. As she's a, a legend. action hero in every film. And she is the moment. She can't act for <laughs> shit. <laughs> but she wrote a fucking book on it. <laughs> she And she fucking taught it. She taught acting. <laughs> Renee Harmon. Legend. And I can't wait to uh, discuss her... Uh, Mag- Magnus Opus, would we say? Yeah, yeah uh, we'll, we'll go with that. Lady Street Fighter next week. Yes. But before then, we'll be back on Friday. Bye.